0: from a mindset that is against us. Deliver us from all evil. Deliver us from systemic evil. Deliver us from every form of evil. Let your spirit reign and preside over this moment, dispelling and dismantling every demonic scheme, plot, and design. Let your angels stand guard. The doorposts and the lintels of this house that the blood of the lord jesus christ cover us till the danger passes by be glorified in the word be magnified in the word operate on us by the word anesthetize us by the worship and then operate on us by the word this we have prayed in the magnificent name of jesus and all the saints that love the lord said amen and amen all right to remain standing we are in the exodus chapter number three and for those of you who are familiar with the exodus narrative you will know that it is in chapter three that moses encountered the burning bush it is in chapter three that moses heard the voice of the lord god speaking out of the bush It is in chapter 3 that Moses gets a revelation of the name of God, I am that I am. It is in chapter 3 that Moses is commissioned to liberate his people from the house of bondage, from captivity, from generational slavery and to transport them into a place of abundance, of increase, of more than enough. Moses' assignment, take them from the land of not enough, through the land of just enough, and into the land of more than enough. Woo! Hallelujah. That's his assignment. And so that's the context in which verses 7 and 8 sit. So I want you to uh, note it with me as we read. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8 And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place. Of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to speak into our collective destiny from the subject. From victim to victory. From victim to victory. Woo, hallelujah. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the King. So I'm going to have to go at lightning speed and uh, please uh, do take notes and uh, get hold of this uh, recording or view it in the church in the house. Because I'm going to try to say a lot in a short space of time. And I'm going to ask for your undivided attention. I want to talk about the journey from victim to victory. And I want to make a distinction between victimization and victimhood. Victimization and victimhood. The truth is that we are all victims in the sense that we have all had things perpetrated against us, things we did not initiate, things that turned up and we had to manage. We're all living in a society in which there are power structures bigger than, than the individual. And we um, all get stuck in traffic. When you're stuck in a traffic jam... You're being victimized because you're a victim, right? But victimhood is a mentality. Victimhood is an orientation. Victimhood is a way of not only seeing your challenges, but a way of describing your challenges. And a way of relating to your challenges. That, that's victimhood. So I want you to notice in our reading that Israel are victims in that they are enslaved and God has seen their afflictions and he's heard their cries by reason of their taskmasters who represent power structures much bigger than them who are lording over them and controlling them, right? But God speaks into the experience of victimization and says, I'm going to deliver you and there is better for you, and the best is yet to come. I'm going to take you from this place of victimization to a place of victory. And, of course, those who received that word by faith uh, embarked on a journey. It didn't just happen. It was a journey, and they embarked on the journey, and it took some 40 years before... Uh, before a people stepped in to the abundance and the victory that God had promised from the very beginning. So I want to address this subject of a victim's mentality because it is not possible to awaken the leader within you or to awaken aspiration within you or to awaken energy within you whilst you harbor or entertain a victim's mentality. Once you entertain a victim's mentality, you have secured the death of your own dreams. Because your dreams cannot breathe in an atmosphere that is constantly scapegoating and poor meing. I wish I had some help up in here. When you read the Genesis, particularly the first 11 chapters, understand that you're not reading um, a concise chronology of actual events. And I know that's offensive to some people who just haven't been to a Bible school. Right? But for the rest of you, uh, Genesis is summarizing in picture language things that it would take too many volumes to, to document. And so I know we like to envisage the garden, Adam and Eve, an apple, a snake, right? And I'm not saying they were not, but I am saying that they represent much deeper, more profound, more fundamental truths that are spiritual, psychological, social, and economic. And when you begin to look at these stories through the correct lens, you see that the ancient wisdom embedded in the story is wisdom that keeps proving itself over and over again. And what we learn from the earliest, earliest records of humanity in Genesis... Chapter 3 is that when God confronted Adam with his own actions. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the fruit of the tree that I told you not to eat from? Adam's auto response was the woman. Y'all ain't going to help. He did not say, yes, sir, I'm so sorry. He did not say, no. His auto response, when confronted with his own condition, was to blame someone else. you ain't going to help now. The woman who you gave me. Here's what he's effectively saying. He's saying, God, the woman... And to be fair, God, I didn't even ask for the woman. The woman was never my idea. So if you really want to know what's going wrong here, look in the mirror, God. Because the woman who you gave me, she gave me to eat. God turns around and says to Eve, Eve, what have you done? Instead of Eve saying... Lord, I, the serpent (laughs) beguiled me and I did eat. So that the blame game is as old as it's possible to document in the history of man. And it reveals the fast track to your social, economic, political, spiritual demise. The fast track to converting your garden into a wilderness is to not take responsibility for your own decisions, emotions, (laughs) actions, choices, but instead to decide that it is someone else's fault. This is endemic. This is in us. This was in Adam. Adam, did you eat? The woman. Eve, what have you done? The serpent. It's how we do. And so what we learn from the earliest chapters of scripture is that if you play the blame game and win, you lose the life game. If you win the blame game, you lose the life game. How many are interested in losing the life game? Anyone interested in losing the life game? Shout no! Some of you don't know, do you? Because you just looked at me. Now, you don't want to lose the life game. You lose the life game, you're perishing. You lose the life game, you're suffering. You lose, you lose the life game, you're lonely. You lose the life game, life doesn't work for you. But what we see in the very beginning is that the fast track to losing the life game is to play and win the blame game. To actually point at someone else or something else and make it the reason why you are where you are. Some of you are going to begin to see the links to Black History Month in a few minutes. (laughs) Because sometimes we need to set up filters in our own mind. So that we are not polluting our mind with victim language. Which is cultivating a victim's mentality. Which expresses itself in blaming Everything and everyone for your own condition. Everyone but me. It's this, it's that, it's them. That's why I am where I am. Because of them, that, him, her. It's the fast track right in the Genesis to absolute chaos and demise. So I'm going to get kind of deep today. Do you mind if I get deep today? Yeah, I pulled an article off the internet. I'm going to have to read it out today. So you're going to have to pay some attention. It's called 11 Signs of the Victim Mentality. Y'all ready for this? Okay, number one. They are constantly blaming other people or situations for feeling miserable. Ooh, you just say amen or ouch. If the cap fits, hide it. (laughs) Act like you you got this. (laughs) But constantly, you know, isn't it amazing how you even get in a relationship and the person will make you responsible for how they feel? It becomes very difficult, doesn't it? When you're responsible not only for your own feelings, you're responsible for someone else's feelings. It's like God coming into that person in the garden and saying, why are you miserable? Him. Her. (laughs) Watch this. They possess a life is against me philosophy. Mm -hmm. They think others are purposefully trying to hurt them. Don't get too quiet because you're all going to be guilty. If you're, too, if you're quiet, you're guilty in here. All the quiet people is guilty. Just look around you. <laughs> They're cynical or pessimistic. Number five, they feel powerless to change their circumstances. Number six, they enjoy sharing their tragic stories with other people. Can I just can I just break this down for you? How are you? Is not a license to pour every crisis in your life into my eardrum. But you know, some folks, how are you? I'm sorry, I asked. Oh my God, it's too much. You know, you know. Even if you count, if there's nothing good you can think of to say, you know, the biblical piece is we say it is well. <laughs> and that was what a woman said to the prophet, while her son was dead at home. He said, "How are you?" She said, "It is well." <laughs> that was just her speaking by faith. And sometimes you have to speak by faith because "How are you?" is not always an invitation. To really begin to unpack. By the same token, there are some people that literally cannot hold a positive conversation. The content, even if you start it positive, the content will swerve to negative. And all of a sudden, it's what a wicked, evil society that we live in. How bad the government is. How bad the everyone is. How negative. Church is horrid. Everything's not working. Uni's rubbish. Everything's bad. And these people, they, they are, that's where the conversation is going. And sometimes you finish the conversation and you want a shower. You feel like you've been sprayed with stuff. It doesn't belong on any human being. (laughs) This is getting deep. They have a habit of blaming, attacking, and accusing those they love for how they feel. I'm sorry. You better say something, or it's you. You're guilty. The victim mentality is not really going to go up to the perpetrator that they think is perpetrating the offense, the persecutor that's persecuting them. They're not really going to stand up and talk to the government. Instead, they're going to to project it onto the very people they love so that they're the ones that get the brunt of your anger. And it's, it's a common. In other words, I'm reading it from this because to, to say I didn't write this. I'm about to preach something, but I didn't write this. This is the result of studying a particular mindset, a way of processing life and orientation, which is called a victim's mentality. And when someone has it, they exhibit it in different ways. One of the ways is they attack or they blame people that they actually love for how they are actually feeling. Number eight. They're constantly putting themselves down. Help me now. If you're too quiet. Say it again. Okay. (laughs) They believe they're the only one being targeted for the mistreatment. That's right. You keep quiet. You're guilty. They refuse to analyze their beliefs or improve their life. Even when things go right, they find something to complain about. It's like, you know, how how was that was amazing. How well well, I wasn't I wouldn't say it was amazing. (laughs) That was really good. Yeah, but but did you notice? Did you see? No, why did you see? what's going in your head why this glass is always half empty and you can't celebrate the fact that it's half full because you have a, an orientation a way of viewing the world a way of viewing life that actually sets you at a disadvantage in a very powerful way and if you'll permit me I'm going to dive even deeper into a little bit of psychology can we do that today Somebody said, no, 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 no. I come to church for theology, Bishop. Let me tell you something. The minute you know God and you meet God, God's going to tell you stuff about yourself. And the Bible is not just a book of theology. It is a book of psychology because in order to bridge the, the gap, the gulf, to span the gulf between God and men. You're going to need to understand something about God and you're going to need to understand something about men because if you don't understand things about God, you can't represent God to men. And if you don't understand things about men, you can't represent men to God. You can't even pray for people if you don't understand people. You misread people, you judge people, you label people because you haven't taken the time to, to study people Or to understand people. And most time we don't understand people because we haven't even taken a hard, honest look in our own mirror. If you're too quiet, you're guilty. (laughs) So I want to introduce you to the work of a gentleman called David Emerald. And you can take a note of this because he wrote a fable, uh, uh, a novel, so to speak. Very short; you could read it in a weekend. And it's called "The Power of TED." The what? Power of Ted. Right. He's not the founder of the TED Talks. This has nothing to do with TED Talks. He's the he. He wrote a book called "The Power of TED," and TED stands for the the empowerment dynamic the empowerment dynamic. Woo. So it's about the power of this empowerment dynamic. And it's told in a in a in a story, uh, in a fictitious story, but it's become a a, a major piece when it comes to thought leadership about why it is that some people are able to make progress, take control, turn their life around, and other people are not able to. And he draws a distinction between this empowerment psychology and this, this, uh, this victim's mentality. Woo. So he begins to break it down. Can I break it down for you? Okay, so the victim's mentality he describes as the deadly... Drama triangle. Drama triangle. That's right. And I know we're here in Black History Month and we're supposed to be talking about kings and queens that came from Africa. So let me address the kings of complaint and the queens of drama for just a few moments. Mm Mm-hmm. Because some of us talking nobility and royalty are drama queens and kings of excuses. That's right. If you don't say nothing, you're guilty. (laughs) That's right. That's how we get the crowd moving up in here. That's how we do here. (laughs) So he talks about this deadly drama triangle. And a triangle has three points, right? And the three points describe the evolution of thinking, the evolution of thought that traps you in a cycle of drama where your life is one drama after the next and it is reflecting this thought process that moves from point to point. Y'all ready for it now? So the starting point is poor me. Feeling sorry for yourself. Feeling victimized. Feeling like life is against you. People are against you. Feeling disadvantaged. Feeling like poor me and why me? Sorry for yourself. He says this now evolves and it moves to. The identification of persecutors. Meaning that once you say poor me. You have to find the people or the things. That have, that have perpetrated uh, an injustice against you. you. You have to find someone else to be guilty. Because you dare not look in a mirror. And say. For me can change me into rich me. You, you dare not look in that mirror, or have that conversation. So now, because you feel so powerless and you feel so insignificant in the face of the obstacle, you have to look at the obstacle and you have to begin to blame something. Those are your persecutors. And these can be people, and these can be things, these can be systems that we blame for our condition. And then we generate, get ready for it now, anger, resentment, and bitterness towards people, places, things, systems that we feel have put us in our position and are stopping us from getting out of it. You can't love something that you think has put you in a bad position. You can't love or celebrate something you believe is trapping you in a bad position. You can only be angry towards it. You can only be resentful. You can only be bitter. And it comes out in your language, comes out in your comments, comes out in your facial expression. It comes out in your over, your general conversation that you're angry. Who you angry with? Not yourself, no! I'm king and queen, I I'm not angry with me. Angry with them, that this is the reason why I don't have a job. This, that, them, they is the reason why I don't have a partner. This, that, them, they is the reason why I don't own a house right now. This, that, them, they is the reason why my album hasn't broke. (laughs) You meet them, don't you? You meet them. We meet them in the fraternity of singers and artists who are convinced that the reason why you haven't made it is called somebody. Guy in the system is a prejudice. He's blocking me. They don't like me. They don't like my size. They don't like my height. They don't like my shape. They don't like where I've come from. It's them. It's all them. You get angry towards them because it's all them. You, you, You try your best not to even mention people that really made it that look like you. Because that's just a freak accident. That's I don't know. You know, I can't explain why, why this, this these people blew up. But I just know the whole system is against me. You see it in church. It's them. It's him. It's her. Why I didn't get that post, that role. It's someone else, It's always someone else. Never you. It's someone else. It even shocks me how people bounce from relationship to relationship. Eight deep, nine deep. And all the guys are the same. Now you get to this all old men are. Blank, blank. Blank exclamation mark. All men are. And it never occurred to you. You are the common denominator here. You're the one constant in the whole story. It never occurred to you. The penny never dropped. These pastors, you know, churches. I pastor several churches. I don't even believe in church people no more, Pastor. Have you not? Did it never occur to you that you are the common denominator in all of these churches that you pastored? <laughs> you know, to think about it. And business entrepreneurs are the same. You know, this customers are like this. People are like that. People don't want this. People don't want that. Well, how do you know that? Because this is my fifth business, and it's still the people the same have occurred to you that you are the commander you are the one constant in all of these episodes no because you're already in the dreaded drama triangle where your poor me mindset has evolved to an attacking uh, anger a resentment towards the things and the people that you think have blocked your progress and are holding you back then this now moves moves to the final point in the triangle according to David Emerald, where now you're looking for a rescuer. The problem is that the rescuer has to be someone other than yourself. And so you're looking for someone to save you. Help me now. And you're getting even more resentful every day that that one doesn't show up. You're angry at someone who hasn't showed up cuz you're not there for me. I'm going deep here. Don't, don't. If you're quiet, you're guilty. I'm just going in. <laughs> you're looking for a deliverer. Stay with me now cuz I'm uh, this is a crucial part of the operation. Don't wake up now. Just stay under the anesthetic of the praise. You're looking for a deliverer. You're now looking for someone to save you or something to save you. You're now as mad at it for not saving you as you are those that you think should have. So now you just have anger built up inside of you. And it's not only anger towards the things and the people that you think are holding you back. It's now anger towards the, pe- the things and the people that you think have failed to pull you forward. So now you're just getting angry in this cycle. And what happens to to others is that the search for a rescuer is internalized. So that the rescuer doesn't have to be a person. It can be a thing. And the thing is usually one of the three or all of the above. Alcohol, sex, drugs. This is the person now whose victim mentality has generated so much anger, resentment, and bitterness towards life and everything and everyone else, they're now angry at the fact that others didn't spot it, hear it, see it, save them, jump in, rescue, change it. They're angry at everyone, so now the only rescue they find is rescue inside themselves by intoxicating themselves, getting out of their own mind, and finding some pleasure in their miserable, pain and to make it worse they feel totally justified I have a right to inject heroin into my hand do you know what kind of life I live For you tell me about my drug problem. You need to know about my mama and my daddy and my uncle and where I grew up and what I went through. None of your business how much drugs I take. You are trapped, my friend, in a deadly, deadly triangle of drama That has incarcerated your life in a cycle, a miserable cycle of defeat. And somewhere you've got to break it. That's where God found Israel in this drama of. The victimization and the victimhood and the victim's mentality and mindset that the Egyptians have enslaved us and we are totally helpless and we hate them and we don't trust God because if God was real, he would have helped us a long time ago. So now we are just looking for comfort, any comfort, and we feel totally justified with any comfort. You ever see that? You try to talk to the alcoholic. Don't you think you should chase that, bro? <laughs> they, not you, you think you should use a glass? <laughs> bro, don't you think you've had too much? Listen, don't talk to me about how much you can't feel my pain. What pain? The pain of this orientation, this way of viewing your poor me life, like you're the only person who has ever suffered uh, 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 an issue before. Like you're the only child whose who's parents divorced. You're, you're the only child whose daddy abandoned your mother. You're, you're the only child whose mother w- uh, was a crack addict. You're the only one. Ain't nobody suffering like me. That's till you travel. That's your problem. We don't travel. Travel. Come with me to Ethiopia where you'll realize you don't have any problems. In Ethiopia, my sponsored child felt so proud to bring me into his home. He held my hand with pride. This is where I live. It was made of mud. Mud. And he found some happiness in the mud. And his mother had cleaned everything up. The mud. Because we've got a guest. Right. And here we are. Hmm? I've got a right. Because you're trapped in this, this mess of this mindset. And yeah, it is Black History Month. And I'm telling you, as the body of Christ. We need to declare so much war on the victim's mentality because what it does to an individual, it does to a group of people too when a group of people obsess about all the forces that are working against them all it generates is, is 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 anger animosity bitterness then when you look at those that you think should be uh making a difference and they're not you're angry over here so i meet people all the time they're not just angry at the cops they're not just angry at the government they're not just angry at the status quo they're also angry at good people they're angry at the church where's the church where's the church when i was being evicted. I said, Have you ever been to church? I say, no, 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 you tell me where is the church. Give me an address. Church didn't help me. Don't even believe in these different people no more because nobody is there for me. Poor me. Now the drugs, the alcohol, the sex with anyone any time any place anywhere god i should never have done that just now edit the thing man praise god gone too far <laughs> said too much you see how people people are just reckless and before you know it there's a whole generation of reckless people you try and talk to them they're just angry angry with everyone look at us look at the state we're in hold on are you the only ethnic minority in Britain it's just your story right you're the only ones that have ever been enslaved the only ones that ever had the, 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 the racial discrimination and social injustice just you isn't it? Yeah. No. Every ethnic minority in this country went through a process and had to make a decision. But they had they had the power to choose. A mentality that would keep them in defeat or a mentality that would bring them to victory. And I'm here to preach. The mentality that brings victory is not a victim's mentality. You have to break it somehow. And I'm gonna take us there if you give me a few more minutes. Because uh uh in in, in, in Emerald's book, he juxtaposes this this drama, this 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 triangle of drama with what he calls the Empowerment dynamic. Again, it's another triangle. Hear me now. It's another triangle which means it is... Uh, it's a train of thought that is moving you. It's an orientation. It's a way of viewing life. It's a way of interpreting life. It's a way of speaking about life that moves your thought process, processes around these three points. And so here goes. Number one, the person doesn't say, I'm poor me. The person says, I am a cr- I am and I can. I wish I had some help up in here. I am and I can. You see, you've got to get to the place where your I am overwhelms the poor me. To where you dare not call yourself poor because of the I am that you are. And when you get to the essence of the I am that you are, the next piece is I can. That's why I always say to folks, uh, until you get to I can. things may not change for you but i can it's not just the ministry it's not just a church it's not just a name it's an attitude it's a psychology it's an orientation it's a way of thinking it's a mindset it's a language it's a culture i can is all of that and 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 god sometimes has to work a miracle to get you to i can and sometimes getting you to i can starts with getting you to i can and when god gets you to i can he wants to take you to i can because if you come to i can and you still have a victim's mentality then you haven't really gotten to i can you're not really an i can somebody shout i can that's the place god wants to get you to and he says it's the mindset of a creator it's the mind of a creator And it's the mind of the creator who looks at chaos in the beginning, darkness in the beginning, emptiness in the beginning, and says, I'm going to make beauty out of this. I'm going to make order out of this. I'm going to populate this with life. I'm going to change everything I don't like. I'm going to change it because I can change it. Now you're beginning to feel like you have some authority over your circumstance and Your persecutors are getting smaller. They are getting irrelevant. And there even comes a point at which you'll say thank you for waking up the leader inside of me. Thank you for waking up my real aspiration. You meant it for my harm, but God meant it for my good. Somebody shout, I can. That's where you start with the mind of a creator. He says that when you have the mind of a creator, you now evolve to the second point in the triangle, which is called the challenger. Because once you believe you can, you begin to challenge yourself that's what goals are they are self-imposed challenges when you set a goal you're challenging yourself Somebody help me preach up in here. When you set a goal, you are challenging yourself. And when you stop challenging yourself, you're slipping back into the victim's mind. Because so long as you believe that everything wrong in your life is their fault, you've disempowered yourself. You've taken the power out of yourself. you put it in the hands of other people. So there's no need to set yourself a challenge. But when the power is back in your hands, you set yourself a challenge. You say, everything I don't like about my life, I set a goal to change it. I don't like my income, I'm going to change it. I don't like my weight or my shape, I'm going to change it. Somebody shout yes. I don't like where I live, I'm going to change it. I don't like how my business is going, I'm going to change it. You challenge yourself. Now you have a culture of self-improvement. You have a culture of self-development. You have a culture of ever-increasing growth. You have a culture of lifelong learning. You now love books. You love uh, motivational audios. You love videos that empower your mind. You love a word that challenges you. You need the challenge because your creative mindset, it Automatically moves towards self-imposed challenges. I close with this. The next point in the triangle is called the coach. Woo! Because once you set challenges for your life. You need to find the coach in yourself. To encourage you to keep on keeping on. You know what a coach does when you're working out. How many of you know what I'm talking about in theory? What a coach does when you're working out is when you think you have pushed the last rep that you can possibly do. That coach is going to say, there's one more in there. There's one more in there. You've got another one in there. Give me one more. Give me another one. And when you give them that other one, there's another one in there. There's another one. And the coach is pulling out of you. I mean, this guy I used to do workout with, I didn't know if it was a devil incarnate. I didn't know if it was Damien the Omen from the whole series of the Antichrist. But this guy... He had this thing about press-ups. He said, that's it. Give me 20. I want 20. One, two. And to me, 20 for you guys was 200, right? That's the equivalent ratio. 20 for me is 200 for you. So if you don't believe me, let me sit on your back and you do 20. Now, let me watch this. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be judging a brother now. (laughs) Do it with me on your back. So here's what the guy does. I'm like 19. I know I've done it. Nineteen you get, where to get it! I need to get 19 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see that game. Nineteen and three quarters! Because the coach always believed there was more in you. Always believed there was better in you. Always believed there was stronger in you. Would always push you to get it out and you need that person in your head telling you that there's more in you. That there's better in you. That that, that there's more strength than you know. More wisdom than you know. But see you have to deliberately empower that coach by listening to actual coaches and motivators and exposing yourself to a new belief system that even if life was against me even if I inherited disadvantage even if the whole system comes against me still I rise still I'm coming out of this still I'm gonna make it I'm gonna win no matter the odds that are stacked against me because ultimately your Bible is the story of little people overcoming big obstacles by the help of God it's little people overcoming huge hurdles by the help of God it's a slave class becoming masters by the help of God and if that's the story of my Bible and I believe my Bible then I believe it's about me that it doesn't matter where I started it matters where I finish and I'm not giving power over my future to anything or anyone you don't get to decide how successful I'm going to be you don't get to decide my outcomes in life no government decisions decides it no system decides it race and racism does not decide it the economy and its drama does not decide it i decide somebody shout it's up to me y'all should be on your feet right now y'all should be on your feet screaming and clapping and shouting and going crazy that's the word of the lord hallelujah so bow your head in Jesus mighty name father I pray that by the authority in the blood the name and the word the victim's mentality will be exposed and expelled in Jesus name Let the victim's mentality be broken, defeated, and cast out in Jesus' name. Let it be discovered and dismantled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Take us on the journey from victim to victory. Because we don't want to be victims no more. We want to be victors now. It's our time for victory. It's our time for victory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. And if that prayer was for you, shout your amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm, say god bless you